0: Welcome to the Filmmaker Mixer Podcast. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined alongside my co-host, Jeff, as always. Today, we have on filmmaking duo, Zach Green and Devin O'Rourke.
1: Zach and Devin talk about their new indie film, Foil, which at the time of this recording had just premiered at the Dances with Films Film Festival. So we'll be talking a little bit about that in the show. And now their film is going to be screening at the East Oregon Film Festival. That's happening this Friday, October 20th. So if you want to check that out, Uh, feel free to look up the East Oregon Film Festival website. You can read about Zach and Devin's film, and you can check out all the other great films that are going to be at the East Oregon Film Festival. So if you want to do that, check out their website at eofilmfest.com. Hello, everybody. This is the Filmmaker Mixer podcast, and today we are chatting with filmmakers Zach Green and Devin O'Rourke. They are the creators of the indie film FOIL, which just premiered at the Dances with Film Film Festival. So, Zach and Devin, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Great to be here. Yeah, we're thrilled.
1: So, one of the things we always like to talk about, and we'll start with you first, Zach, and then you know we'll want to hear from Devin, but um, I'm always curious what inspired you to get into filmmaking and become a storyteller. Did that happen you know, when you were a kid, a teenager? How did you get interested in it?
2: Yeah, I would say definitely the storytelling has been since I was a kid. Um, you know, famously, uh, I was such uh you couldn't shut me up. And it was so bad in kindergarten that my kindergarten teacher famously gave me a, a tight five every day that she called Zack time uh, to start the day. <laughs> I got to stand in front of the class and say whatever I wanted for five minutes as long as I promised to shut up uh, after that. <laughs> so
1: that's funny.
2: From that time, yeah, always been storytelling, grew up, really stage acting was the thing I was first attracted to in middle high school, did a lot of plays and musicals and and then our uh, it was a fine arts high school and they had a film class and, you know, I think I've always been pretty performative just naturally, but I I was very intrigued by the challenge that filmmaking presented and so ultimately chose to go to film school instead of, you know, acting school. Um moved out here to Orange to go to Chapman for film production. And, uh, you know, been uh, been tinker- tinkering away at it ever since.
0: And Devin, what about you? Uh, what was the pivotal moment for you that made you want to be an actor and a storyteller?
3: Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I grew up loving movies and I went to the University of Texas and initially it wasn't in the film school, but uh quickly kind of realized that that's where I, I wanted to be, uh, so I transferred into the RTF program, and uh, you know began to sort of, sort of fall in love with the with the program and the people in it, and uh, just discovered a love for it, and uh,
2: that was sort of the beginnings, I guess.
1: And how did the two of you come together and start working together?
2: Yeah, you know, it's funny because we we were both. Texas boys uh, I grew up in Austin and Deb went to UT but we didn't meet until we were both out here in LA through uh, uh for me it was a college buddy and I think Devin met this guy uh when he spent a summer at the Sundance Director Labs and uh he introduced us because the more he learned about Devin the more he realized we had a lot in common Texas Wilco, will go you know link later indie filmmaking and yeah, we hit it off pretty quick. I we I just we just remember this the other day that I know the first time we hung out, Devin was I went to your apartment. We watched Good Time, and then you busted out your acoustic guitars and we played Jeff Tweedy and Wilco songs for <laughs> into <Yeah>. the night. <laughs> well, you yeah. know,
1: you 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 guys have the dubious honor of being the second guest we've had that's uh, worked with Brian McGuire, who I knew when he was in Austin. Yes, um, is that yeah? How do you know Brian?
2: Oh, he's the best man. Yeah. I was actually, I was just listening to your Seth Kaplan interview the other day. Um, so Brian was in, I, when I went to college, I'd still made a couple of indie film connections back in Austin, namely with, uh, this awesome filmmaker out there, Brian Poiser, And he put oh, yeah. me in, um, two of his features. And the second one was love and air sex, which has, you know, Zach Krager, Michael Stahl, David, and, uh, me and brian Maguire played like weird like <laughs> like like stoner roommates we were just like major stoner roommates so it was kind of like back to the future like doc and marty like he's older i'm younger we're stoner idiots together and uh yeah we were fast friends we were you know we've been we've been hanging out ever since
0: so you two have a love for buddy comedies which is what foil is And I'm curious if there were any certain, you know, buddy films you grew up watching that maybe inspired foil or even current uh, ones that are kind of inspiring you right now.
2: Totally. Yeah, Um, I'll say a couple and you can say a couple of But the ones that are top of mind for me, I mean, we talk about it in the movie, too. We debate it. But I think like the uh, Fred Ward, Kevin Bacon dynamic and tremors is like a
1: great, great movie.
2: Pretty, pretty close to the Rex Dex. Uh, You know, I I guess if if, Dexter is supposed to be the Kevin Bacon, it's definitely a much dorkier version. But um, And you know what? I I had an older sister growing up, and I watched a whole bunch of funny chick flicks that I think highly inform my sensibility of what I think is funny. And uh, Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion, honestly, is one that I've seen like (laughs) a million times. And just that whole idea of like, Ten years out from high school and not being happy with where you are—that obviously that's stuff that we're dealing with in this too. So I'm well, I think, to you there.
1: I think your movie for me, and maybe maybe I'm wrong, but for me it had kind of an '80s '90s sort of vibe to it. You know, yeah, it, it it had that sort of that just that vibe.
2: Totally, yeah. No, that that's that. You're right on. That's exactly what we wanted. Well, yeah, that's good. I mean, it's set in '97, and you know, the,
3: the guys are of the age that the movies that they would be hyped on were probably from the 80s you know, so we talk about uh you know the thing or that we, we have a clip of the thing we, we zach's looking at their they live copies in the video store he's geeking out about tremors uh so it's it's good that that comes across because that's definitely sort of the era we were thinking of and they
1: live like one of the best fist fights in dude <laughs> in yeah. tell history. me about I love it, it. Yeah.
2: yeah the best yeah
1: so, so, but but, even in the way you shot it and the way the rapport was between everybody, it just had that kind of feel to it, which I thought was really cool. Is that is that something you uh, tried to do in terms of acting and shooting, or is it just you just kind of just let it flow?
2: Yeah, no, I think, you know, De- Devin and I shot a short together in 2020, like right before the, the lockdown, and Devin had, had written and directed uh, and acted in a couple of shorts before that, that I think had this this similar sensibility of, you know I've me coming from theater I've always been such a huge fan of dialogue and just people talking um I you know I don't consider myself a prose writer but I feel like I know dialogue really well and um I think that's really like what what is our bread and butter when it goes into stuff is is that we know we can write good characters that have fun conversations even if they talk about nothing you know um yeah. and yeah, so I mean, yeah you go to yeah the, I mean the shorts that
3: that I had made before in Blossom with Zach, um, you know, they are buddy type of stuff. It's just, it's friendship stories and, you know, for me, going back to the buddy, the buddy comedy question, I mean, Swingers is huge for me, Sideways. Um, Yeah. To go even further back, like, something like California Split with Elliot Gould and George Segal. I just watched that again the other
1: day. I just watched that film about two weeks ago.
3: That's awesome. Yeah, I, I need to revisit it. But I just um you know a, a bottle rocket I, w- I would throw throw in there um mm-hmm. so those are the kind of movies that i've always been interested in and um you know like zach said we realized that through, through the short right on that we kind of were able to to execute on that style well but we also realized that we love both love sci-fi and uh you know ufo stories and paranormal stuff and we thought you know how can we bring our sense our dialogue buddy sensibility to uh the sci-fi genre i think that was kind of the appeal for us of of foil yeah yeah
1: well the press kit uh mentions improv and i know zach i think you've done improv uh at the Groundling theater in second city um so i've got kind of a two-parter i suppose um, first, I'd love to hear about your experiences working, you know, at the Groundling Theater and Second City and some of those some of those great, uh, great places. But also, I'm curious how much, how little improv you used in the movie, you know, how that may have affected, you know, a day of shooting or the editing. I'm just curious how you uh, how you um, added your your skill in improv to actually making the film. But first, talk about your, your, your studying and then tell us about the movie.
2: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... You know, I think I, I, I I've I've always thought myself to be a socially, you know, funny, quirky guy, and I think you know even throughout film school, I never really stopped acting, but I've also never really like fully gone into acting classes or any acting school per se. And I think instead of that, I I did spend a lot of time doing stand up, and in the meantime, yeah, went like dove head first into all of the. Crazy improv schools that are out here in, in Los Angeles. I started at the Groundlings, um, which what I came to learn later is you kind of want to go there last because they want you to be really polished when you get over there. You know, that they, they, their whole, their whole approach is you should never enter a scene as you. You are always a character. Um, which I, I actually like really glommed onto really fast. I, I went straight to their, um, writing labs which is basically the audition for their sunday company um without getting you know held back or asked to repeat a class which is apparently like very hard to do but i was so uh new to the whole world of it that i didn't realize i was like advancing you know to like an advanced level um didn't make sunday company but yeah learned a lot about just general character work and you know teamwork you know you all lean on each other when you're on stage and um I think from there, I went to UCB. Um, they just opened their, their their second space on Sunset. I went through their whole improv program there, took a couple of sketch classes there. Um, and then the last place I went was uh, Second City Hollywood, RIP. They're, they're closed now, but um, honestly, Second City Hollywood, despite being the roughest location, like you're right there on hollywood you know walking in it's like all of your classmates cars are getting broken into and everything but uh <laughs> that was like honestly the chillest most inviting environment of all the schools you know all the other ones there's a certain sense of like we are here to advance to get to a place where my agent can you know it's like there's there's so many aspirations in place uh that uh sometimes I can get in the way I think of the community of it but second city was just like we're just we're just clowning and it was uh yeah I loved it there anyway long spiel to get into the improv in the movie um totally we improved a lot we we uh essentially Devin and I would take a scene write it separately in each other's you know respective uh, writing hovels uh you know, throughout the pandemic and lockdown, we, you know, we were never in the same room writing. We'd both take a stab at a scene, bring it back, pick the pieces we liked the best, let that be a rough draft of the scene, and then just hang out in my backyard and, you know, record on our phones us running through it. Um, you know, we'd run through it three or four times and just sort of, you know, basic beats in mind, but whatever came out and made us laugh, that's usually what would end up on the page. Um you know, we'd write out verbatim, you know, a weird improv exchange and and try and use that. Um uh dev you got you wanna yeah.
3: yeah I mean obviously like Zach is a is a, a veteran of improv teams and is is you know very seasoned in the game of improv. I, I, I'm not I did a little bit of UCB um but you know, I I enjoy libbing within the structure of a scene, and I think Zach and I have a good chemistry there. But I think where where Zach's improv background really helped us was sort of uh, taking ideas or, or elements that were introduced and bringing them back. You know, the the idea that like everything that's introduced is brought back, and yeah. I, I think that's kind of a a, a core principle of improv. Um, and Zach was great at. At having a mind for that, um, but yeah, we would both we would outline a scene. We would both uh, take our pass at it. Sometimes they were similar. Sometimes they were very different. Um,
1: did and you then, both? Did you both know what the beginning of the scene was and what the end was? How it was supposed yeah, to end? Okay.
3: Yeah, I think it was really important for me, at least, that you know we knew the beats that we needed to hit in each scene, and we and we had an overall outline of at least most of the film. I don't know if we had the entire thing. Uh, outlined. Um, I don't know if you remember that, Zach, but uh, but yeah. uh, you know, we 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 definitely would come in like with alright, these are the beats that we need to hit, this is what, what this scene needs to accomplish to give us some structure. Um, but then within that, I think we're, neither one of us is super precious about the written word and uh, you know, for me personally, I definitely feel like something that comes out in an improv session that comes out in the voice of the character is going to be better than something that I could write for. So, um, luckily we both kind of have that same, that same, uh, philosophy sort of, you know, spirit of the line is, is fine. And, and we carried that on the set with our other actors. Like there's certain things we need to hit. Um, but you know, if, if you want to say it, try to say it in a different way or, or change the line, that's fine. You know, we're not, the, yeah. we're not the Cohen brothers.
1: That's one of the things I've learned. Um, you know, some of the best writers I've worked with are absolutely not precious. If it works, keep it. If it doesn't work, dump it. And that, that's a, that's. I'm glad you said that. That's a really good advice. Um, so two quick things, um, and then I want want to let Andrew jump in here. But one, did you do improv during the shoot as well?
2: Yeah, yeah, we did. I I I don't think. Yeah, essentially, if we had time, we would we would usually reserve a couple of takes to try different approaches to things. But but also, yeah, I I think, as Devin said, like we went in pretty clearly telling our actors that, you know, we're not going to freak out if you haven't exactly said this monologue, how we've written it. It's like, take it in, say it how you think you would say it as the character character. and as long as, yeah, as long as you're hitting these beats or, you know, it, again, if, if there's a certain callback or something that, that we feel is important to highlight, it's like, make sure that's in there. But otherwise, yeah, yeah, spirit of the line, not letter of the line. And Yeah, I mean, you, for,
1: sorry, I'm sorry, sorry. no, 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 you go ahead.
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, like,
3: the, the goal is always just for their performance to be truthful and to feel real. And to me, that means... Being willing to adapt and be open to different uh, performances, even if that means changing the lineup a little bit, because it sound the character sounds better with saying in a different way, or they have a different ad lib or something. Like to me, it's important to just stay to stay open to, because a lot of times, you know, you'll discover something uh, on the day that's 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 better than anything you could have written. True,
2: and also. You know, it it also kind of came down to just how did the other actor want to work? You know, there were there were people like like Chris Dubeck that, you know, might not give you the same speech twice, you know, ever, uh, which is awesome. And then there's people (laughs) like McGuire that once he's figured out how he wants to say it, that's what you're going to get. And then there's people like Ari Stidham, who's the Klingon manager at the video store <laughs> that that I'd say for me, at least that felt like the most improv heavy scene
1: that that I that I was a part of acting. Oh, in. Interesting. Like, that was a great scene. I really like that
2: a lot. You know, we had that speech down about Tekken and Tuesdays and all that. But, you know, <laughs> there, there's like a five minute longer version of that scene that's just me and that guy just
3: just riffing and and doesn't he
1: say something like Dungeons and Dragons or something the way he says that is so funny
3: yes we had another like Zach so there's extended cut they they just kept going and going and it was hilarious there's so much good stuff that we that we loved but too many people were in our ear telling us you you guys we have to get out of this scene sooner like we can't yeah, we can't we, stay in this video store for another three <laughs> minutes. But in a vacuum, it's it's brilliant, and I, I I hate that we had to cut cut a lot of that stuff.
1: Well, I want to uh, circle back to one other thing real quickly, and then I'll let Andrew jump in. Um, so you said, um, Zach, I think it was with the Groundlings, you were always a character. I'm curious what you mean by that. Is that a character you're creating for the improv you're about to do, or that was a character that was already created? Uh, to unpack that a little bit for me.
2: Yeah, no, it's kind of both, honestly. Um, I think uh, they had different classes that that sort of had a different emphasis. So if it was just straight up just improv class, it doesn't need to be a recurring character or someone that's in your you know memory bank of. But but their their whole thing is kind of combating UCB's approach, which is you can be on stage as you. It's all about how. It's, it's much more cerebral at UCB. You need to be smart about what beat you're in and how you're calling it back. And, you know, it's much more structural the way they want you to think about it. Whereas Groundlings is like, you can be a buffoon up there. That's fine. Just as long as you are making a big character choice, that's all we want. So come out and don't be you, as long as you're not you. With that said, there were other classes too where the whole thing was, let's, let's bring up, you know, because obviously people like Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman, you know, there's a lot of, characters that came out of groundlings that that sort of you know made people's careers so they're big on that too like let's figure out people that feel like someone that you want to you know embody for a long time so i did i definitely did walk away with a couple of characters like that as well um so yeah a little bit of both
0: so as you both wrote the film as you had talked about I'm curious how you guys settle creative differences as partners. I'd love to hear from you first Devin, as you edited the movie and also starred in it, Zach, of course you directed it, but for you, Devin, how did you make sure your vision was going to be carried out in pre-production and on the days of shooting to help you out in post?
3: Great question. Um, you know, Zach, one of Zach's best qualities is just ultimate trust in the people that he. That he works with, and Zach was very hands off when we got the post, and allowed me to show, you know, first versions of scenes, and to pick music, and basically show him what I would do completely. Um, and that was awesome. Just to have to have that trust, uh, feels great uh, as an editor because. You know in a lot of other situations you're kind of starting from a negative field position if you will because someone already has an idea of what they think it needs to be and you don't have that freedom you don't have that trust but but Zach gave that to me and for the most part I think we were pretty pretty aligned like we there were maybe some some things um like minor 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 disagreements on uh scenes that should be cut or where they should be cut but for the most part we kind of um agreed and I think um you know it was the trust sort of like okay show me what you would do and then maybe Zach would come back with another, another idea maybe I would show different options um it, it, it was the same spirit that we had in writing I think it was just trust and openness and like let's let's just see what the best version is you know it doesn't matter if it was my idea or your idea what's just let's just go with what feels best to us. Um, so having that, having that freedom and trust was, was, was great. Yeah. Uh,
2: thank you, Dev. That, that, uh, I, that's totally my philosophy when it, when it comes to especially filmmaking. Uh, you know, I say all the time that I, I really don't consider myself to be an auteur for many reasons, but, the biggest of all is that, you know, I just and I think this is kind of an Austin indie sensibility that making a film takes a village, you know. It's 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 not about leaning on a star or a director that's a big name to, you know, it's it's not all of us looking to that one singular voice. And so, you know, when I hire key cast and key crew, yeah, I would prefer that that they, you know, bring to me first how they would approach whatever it is that they're doing, whatever their area of expertise is. I I, I want them to surprise me and show me something that I wasn't even thinking about or, you know, most of the time is much better than whatever it was that I thought it might be. You know, that's, I'm, I'm looking to be surprised and to let the, 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 you know, trust the expert, let them run with it. And I think especially in super challenging scenarios People tend to rise more to the occasion when they know they have that much autonomy of you know of how they might want to try and handle it so yeah
3: and i i will just add to the original um question um you know i think another dynamic that we have that worked well both in the writing and in post was sort of you know i i'm i've editing has been my main career for the past decade plus. And so even when I'm writing, I'm thinking I have the editor brain, right? I'm, I'm trying to justify every line, every scene. Um, and you know, so I guess the common to answer your question, like what was a creative difference? It's more of a different sensibility. It's Zach will, will push an idea to brilliant places and then maybe too far. I tend to kind of not push it far enough. And as an editor, but initially as a writer, I think my instinct is to really be hard on, you know, do we do we need that? Can can we cut that? Can that scene be a minute shorter, either on the page or in the actual edit? Um, mm-hmm. I think we spent a lot of our time trying to cut down Act 1 uh, to get us to the desert sooner. Uh, it definitely is still pretty long, but we cut it down significantly. Mm-hmm. Um and you know there were other problems that we had to solve sort of um you know it's it snowed on us one day it's in the movie there's a hailstorm wasn't in the script and we had to figure out how to make that make sense um and it, we we had to change our structure a bit uh from what we had written in terms of where Dexter is and how he gets back and so there's always problems arising but ultimately it comes back to to uh to Zach's trust and our our our, our collective desire to uh to find the best the best way
0: yeah those are two great answers and zach for your answer you may have already answered my uh upcoming question but i'm curious if you would have anything else on this which is as a director as one of the main actors in the film how hard is it to direct yourself act and also direct others at the same time
2: yeah so luckily too whenever i was uh in a scene and Devin wasn't in the scene, I could trust that Devin having been a part of the whole writing process, being an actor himself, being a director himself, um, that he could come in and give me adjustments if I needed them. Um, so I, you know, he, he helped in the, in the, in in that regard. Um, outside of that, you know, we also, we had a great scripty, Rob Frenet, um, was out there with us and, you know, especially in certain moments where maybe Dubek was, um, you know, really waxing poetic on a certain uh, monologue, I could kind of look to him and, you know, I think I would have discussed with him beforehand, like, here are the four things in this monologue that he must say, you know, <laughs> like, we'd finish a take and I'd look over to him like, Dude, we, we got him, right? And he's like, yeah, we got him. So you know, I I'd say I had people bolstering me a little bit there to 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 help with that a little bit because I agree it's a lot of hats. There's a lot to be aware of at all times, um,
3: and not but... not a Jordan or DP Jordan Black as well. I think oh my great. lord, yeah, and yeah, being sort of our eyes, um, you know, especially in scenes that we were both in, you know, for like did did we get it? Um, you know, with 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 our schedule being so tight, you know, we would really really only get a few takes. Uh, per setup, sometimes one, and you almost don't even really have time to think about it, how, if you got it or not, or you just, you're just trying to get it. And then like the second thought is, was it good? Uh, but we had several people, I mean, everyone really, but especially Jordan, uh, was kind of our eyes and our ears for, you know, did, did we get that or do we need to keep going? Uh, cause it's
2: a hard thing to, to gauge when, when you're in the scene. Very true. Yeah. Him, Jordan and our first AC, uh, Joe Brady, who's just a very gifted with a follow focus and a steady cam. And he's incredible that. Yeah. Like Devin was saying, there were plenty of times in the schedule where there wasn't even, you know, I I, I mean, Jordan and I go way back to college. I trust that guy with any film. Uh, I trust him wholeheartedly. So plenty of times where i didn't even go back you know can i go watch that take you know no time just i looked to jordan did we get it yes we got it let's move on you know it's (laughs) with it with it with a shoestring budget no time sometimes it's just you gotta just as long as the people who are out there are trustworthy and if they say yes you just gotta trust it you know
1: um that's that's actually a good segue to my next question um i'd like to get into the nuts and bolts of actual production so i'm curious. How big was your crew? What was that footprint like? How many days did you shoot? What did you shoot on? Tell us some of the the technical side of the shoot.
2: Sure, yeah. So it really was two separate shoots. We we had a smaller shoot in like September of 2021 that was basically all of Act One minus the bar scene, um, the Bronco, Klingon video, um, and that was that was a pretty small crew. That was me, Devin, Jordan, Joe, AC, sound guy and like one PA, very small. And we shot that out in Joshua Tree and uh at Cinephile Video in Los Angeles. Uh the second shoot, the main beefy part of the shoot was out in Lancaster, like outside of outside of outside of Lancaster, like in the middle of nowhere. Um and that was a bigger crew. That was—I bet we topped out at close to what do you think? To have like twenty people out there, yeah, uh, something like that. Yeah, tops, like twenty tops, and uh, you know trailers out there, and um, and uh, you—we know, filmed on the uh, the Sony FX6. That was Jordan's choice. Um, I don't speak camera or gear all that well, but his huge attraction to it was just how sensitive that camera is at night. Um, so sensitive in fact that you can just see stars in the sky and you can light a scene with literally two tube lights, not just two tube lights, two tube lights that are lit at 0.5% <laughs> level because any higher we'd be overexposed. Um, you can see
3: everything in the sky, I mean, everything, every plane, every blinking plane <laughs> that we had to remove later in post, uh, you know, didn't realize that at the time, but
2: it was the blessing and, and the curse of shooting with a very light, sensitive camera. Yeah. But let me tell you, that that Lancaster location was brutal. It was February into March 2022. Um, I know that this year broke a lot of records out there with snow and everything. But last year at the time, it was like the coldest and snowiest like <laughs> time of year on record it as devin described it snowed not once but twice on us which is why we had to eventually write it into the movie we couldn't cancel any more time um during the day the winds were so intense that you know after our first day shoot we left up a couple of um you know canopies where our crafty was and stuff we came back the next day they were you know a half mile away just destroyed by the wind (laughs) uh the, you know, just the lawlessness out there, you know, the amount of like just target practice happening out there, gunfire. Uh... Oh, yeah. There was a there was a
3: full on gun range going on during the scene where we're arguing on the rocks near the it's, it's after we get out of the Bronco and start walking into the desert. We have this argument on the rocks and there is literally machine gunfire going on throughout the entire scene it's a miracle we were able to cut it together and get all those gunshots out um that's crazy but uh (laughs) you know so the gunfire going on plus we that was one of the few times i think we were a little chippy with each other going into the scene which worked worked well uh for, for the scene uh but yeah looking back it's just it's incredible that we got the movie to be honest with you that we finished it um because it came down to the very last morning we shot the last scene, the last morning that we had the had the had land. You know, there was no coming back. Uh there were so many challenges with the weather. Um, but gosh, yeah, you know, credit to our our casting crew for for persevering because it was pretty brutal and not to mention COVID, you know, at any point somebody could have gotten COVID and that would've shut us down and you know, we were very lucky and that we that we finished it and uh, I'm very proud of everyone.
0: So you guys had your uh screening just last night. I'm curious how it was. You know, Jeff mentioned that to be top of the show, but um curious what that experience was like.
2: It was amazing, man. It was, yeah, our world premiere at the Chinese theaters in in Hollywood. Um, you know, we were I think they only have four midnight features in their slate this year so there's not a lot of us and we were the only ones that got a true midnight schedule the other ones were at 11 there's one tonight at 10 15 uh so we felt like the only you know true midnight boys going in <laughs> which you know as a result i'd say our crowd was smaller but dedicated they and responded really well i think they really enjoyed it our our moderator loved it so much you know those q a's usually last i've been to a lot of the films over the last week they're about 10 minutes tops he had us out there for like 30 minutes he loved oh, wow. loved the movie and talked to us after and um you know we we got approached by a you know a distributor after and uh it yeah honestly like everything i was hoping to happen happened um at that screening uh, yeah and- i mean we
3: we had had uh, a couple of private screenings for cast and crew and friends and family one in la and one in austin and those were both you know very supportive packed houses so we had seen it twice before uh in the theater Mm -hmm. and you know honestly like those those private screens were a little more nerve-wracking for me because it's like okay everyone in my life basically is in this room uh (laughs) oh and they're all no pressure no
1: no pressure Yeah. yeah
3: but uh you know, this was I, I. There's there's not many places you could you could ask for uh, many many venues you could you could ask for a better uh, premiere than uh, than the Chinese. It, it was just it was awesome, and uh, you know, Dances with the Films is does a great job of supporting their filmmakers and their films, and and uh, we're, we're thrilled with how how, went, how how it came off, and I think both feeling a, a sense of relief, like we're ready to enter. A new chapter of foil and there
2: have been many
0: so are there any other big things on the horizon either with foil or any upcoming projects with you two
2: well for foil uh you know that that was another really cool thing about getting into the midnight section with dances with films is that i think that really solidified for us how people are responding to it and what kind of audience is going to respond best to this you know, we knew that it was sci-fi and it was goofy and all that stuff. But it's also, you know, maybe a lowercase m midnight movie. Uh, and so I think we were just wondering, like, how would they respond? Um, so going forward, you know, we've obviously we, we we are submitted to plenty of other midnight fantastic, you know, Fantasia fests, um, genre fests. So I think we're going to, you know, see what what the coming months bring in terms of festival love for the project and um as far as you know what what we're doing otherwise uh, you know Devin and I wore so many hats on this thing that uh you know for the last two and a half years there really wasn't a whole lot of time at least for me to to even think about anything else um maybe not until like February once we locked the film um but uh, but I, I am excited to report that I, I have, you know, another feature, Endeavor, that I think is a really great follow-up to FOIL, uh, you know, without giving too much away about it. I think if you swapped the sci-fi for monsters and you swapped the desert for the beach and kept everything else, <laughs> that's basically
0: <laughs> what
2: what I'm pondering on right now. Um, and, you know, hopefully uh, Dev and I can find some, some acting roles in it for, for each other and you know, uh, and we'll take it from there. But that's that's where my mind's at. How about you, Dev? Yeah, I mean,
3: you know, there's been so many stale- stages of foil, uh, and so many of them that were unfamiliar to us in terms of like, okay, how do we do this, and who do we do it with? And I think we established uh, a playbook of sorts of like how to make a feature and how to do it, and we found people that we love working with. So. You know, I'm hoping that on the next time around it will be a bit easier. It'll never be easy. Um, but we've at least, you know, forged a path, a path that 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 worked for us and and there's lots of people, like I said, that we would love to work with again. Um and at the same time, like I you know, I don't know. I think FOIL will always be in our lives to some degree, Zach. Uh yeah, we're gonna be probably doing i'm probably going to be exporting some you know dubbed version of it in three years for wherever uh it's it's never going to be fully gone but you know i i too have sort of been unable to fully shift my focus to a different project i i do know that i really enjoy the acting experience on on foil and it's made me realize that i would i would love to continue to act um so that's sort of where my head is at in terms of uh the future
1: well you guys have great rapport on camera together i mean you did a great job i really enjoyed the film if you don't mind you know as you go through the festival circuit um feel free to reach back you know it'd be fun to have you on the show to maybe do a deeper dive on festivals and promotion and things like that because i think the movie's going to do well
2: amazing that'd be amazing yeah thank you we would love that
1: well guys uh you know just want to say thank you for being on the show we've really enjoyed it and uh, best of luck with the project um, If you do come back to Austin for a screening, hit me up. We'll grab coffee or a beer or something.
2: Love it.
3: we Will do. Sounds okay. great. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks, y'all.
0: Thank you for listening to the Filmmaker Mixer Podcast, a podcast created and hosted by filmmakers Jeff Stolen and Andrew Lamping and produced by Melody Lopez.
1: Our theme song was composed by a man who likes his martinis shaken and stirred. Stephen D. Bennett.
0: Make sure to follow or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us on and stay tuned for future episodes.